Hello, and welcome to Belly Talk, a safe, inclusive space to explore parts of the bear experience and the human experience, for that matter, that we don't normally talk about. On the show, we'll explore topics related to our personal and shared experiences, things like body image, mental health, fat fashion, bear wellness, and much more. We'll also bring in guests from the community to teach, share, and inspire us. I'm one of your hosts, Coach Cub, a board-certified health and wellness coach who coaches folks in the bear community. I also facilitate classes online and in New York City and run a bear wellness retreat called Camp Bear Hug. And I'm your co-host, Johnny Bear. I'm an artist, a licensed clinical social worker, a certified personal chef. Personally, I identify as a queer man, single dad, trauma survivor, mental health advocate, and just a spiritual being having a human road trip. Together, Coach Cub and I want to share our experience that there is more to the bear community than the social conditioning we've been taught. We want to expand the narrative about what it's like to be a member of this multicultural community. This is our invitation to you to join us on our journey. You'll also have the opportunity to learn more about our classes and retreats and to join the Belly Club on Facebook. So head over to coachcub.com for more details. But for now, sit back, unbuckle your belt, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Nirmal, welcome back to... Well, now what we call the belly talk, mm. our podcast that um, used to be the bear wellness show. And you were actually the first person I ever interviewed on that show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that, so that was during COVID and it was, it was a real like fake it till you make it moment. Cause I didn't have a podcast. <laughs> so I think I remember it's like, it's that weird phase where I'm like, do you want to be my podcast? And then we like sat down and recorded and then, and I was talking as if I had a podcast, but I did. I didn't have anything. No, <laughs> I didn't I, even have I, a name. Yeah. I just said like, "Welcome to the podcast." I remember that, and I also remember because it was in COVID. I was in this uh, spare room in my my boyfriend's apartment. You know, just like because that was the only place that uh, was available. You know, at the time, and uh, oh man, very different time. Yeah. I know. So new new name for the podcast. We have Johnny Bear on, on here, who you know from the yeah. classes that you teach. Hey. Hey. And yeah, why don't you, I feel like you do so many things and you have so many skills that like, maybe you could just share a little bit about like who you are and what your background is. I mean, we have, we have the longer interview people can go back to to listen more, but just kind of like, you know, a brief synopsis of who's their mom. <laughs> So uh, I think I would probably start with that everything I do is, uh, I guess, connected to um, spirituality in in some way. So I've been a musician most of my life, and I really have uh, sort of cultivated a way of uh, playing music that's intended for more meditative purposes. So, for example, playing for yoga classes. There's a thing called kirtan, which is the Sanskrit chanting, which is my, one of my favorite things to do. And I, I also teach yoga. And uh, there's a thing called the branches of yoga that actually really 
kind of encapsulates encapsulates the things that I really love to do. You know, so you can um, practice, you know, being present. Uh, if spirituality doesn't actually resonate, you could just say being present, even right um, through a, an asana practice like yoga. You could practice being present through singing. Uh, or one of my other things I really love is just spiritual texts. So those are kind of the the major things. But yeah, I guess I'm mostly music focused. But then I also just love teaching yoga and mm. yeah. Jamal, would it be fair to say that uh, kirtan is sometimes called vocal yoga? Yeah, it's actually called uh, bhakti yoga, yeah, and you could say vocal yoga as well. It's the uh, um, it's the branch that's related to a sense of uh, devotion. And, but also just the, the practice of repeating something with intention really is magical, right? Like uh, I, I came into this like about 2010 and I w- was a complete atheist at the time. And I saw this sign for a kirtan and I went, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. And I really started to study the mantra that you you sing, you know, like Om Namah Shivaya, for example, which is to like you know the masculine Prince of all Shiva. And when you sing it to in repetition over and over again, this energy begins to um, build. And when you do it with other people, uh, as you know, Johnny, like it's just so ecstatic. Well, it's essentially call and response. So yeah. the the, the kirtan caller will speak or say the say the phrase or sing the phrase and then you sing it back to them yeah so you i believe that's where the synergy starts to pick up and that 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 energy you were talking about and essentially i mean it's all pretty much chanting the the name god right is that is that pretty much a, is that an accurate description that yeah i guess so i um i'm trying to think if uh it you know originated in india you know the the whole practice and traditionally it has been uh, chanting in sanskrit the language of yoga right in india where you're chanting to different gods and goddesses but you could also uh you know chant to abstract um principles like peace like shanti right or compassion karuna um and the way that we've taken on kirtan in the west is that it's expanded to other uh kinds of uh, expressions of spirituality such as christianity and Judaism. there's um a kirtan artist named kirtan rabbi right and uh <laughs> he does these wonderful like hebrew chants and they're they're just uh and but it's still call and response it's the same idea yeah yeah, it's a it's a beautiful practice, and I once was uh, with Krishna Das, and uh, he we were at a retreat, and he's pretty much one of a, a big name in the Kirtan world, and uh, people were asking him questions, and he said, you know, I'm just a dumb schmuck from Brooklyn, and I got this practice. It hit me in India, and it works for me. It, it may not work for you, but it works for me. So find what works for you and do it, but make it a practice. And I think most of like what we do is a practice, whether it's 
going to therapy, whether it's yoga, whether it's chanting, whether it's wanting to make a change in the world, it, it doesn't, nothing really happens ever overnight without yeah. being an active player in our intentions. Absolutely. And I think you, you really made a good point that it's not for everybody. And the what's important is actually to figure out what works best for you, right, as mm -hmm. uh, individually. Uh, and that's one of the things I've really been fascinated with is how uh, does any given person just find their way into just living a more, um, a more, uh, oh my gosh, I hate to say this word, proactive life, as opposed to, you know, you have your busy life and like you, you just are kind of reacting to everything that's happening, right? You're reacting to your job and the commute and, and all these things are influencing um, your level of uh, wellness and happiness. But what if you actually, you know, kind of took the bull by the horns and, you know, really cultivated a sense of internal uh, well-being so that the outside stuff doesn't affect you as much, right? And uh, so I, I really also am very interested in trying to uh, reach out to folks and see, like, how does somebody who just doesn't believe in, you know, chanting names of God, like, what what are some other ways that they can, you know, help just have a sense of just being happy in the world? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big question. <laughs> and yeah. like, well, just really fast. I know Johnny Bear wanted to talk about Kirtan. So like the fact that you brought that up right away, I was like, I'm just going to sit here. I'll go make a cup <laughs> of tea and let these guys geek out on like spiritual stuff, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a big question. It's, a sim it's similar with my coaching. It's like, yeah, how do you, how do we find what works for, you know, someone in the bear community or someone with a bigger body, like how do they find their path to mm -hmm. feeling good in their bodies and in the world? And it sounds like that's similar to the question you're asking. It's like, how do we, how do we cultivate that inner peace and how do we, you know, find what works for us? Um, so how do we do it? <laughs> well, actually, let me, can I, do you mind if I ask Y'all first, how, like what you might answer. I just would love to hear, like, you know, what, uh, what, how, how do you, uh, yeah, keep your, your spirits high? I think for me, uh, and since COVID, let's, you know, because the world, you know, revolves around something and uh, COVID gave birth too many things and took away a lot of things, unfortunately. But one of the things it, it's done is created a sense of, I, I find strength in community mm. and I find strength in, in knowing that I'm a part of something that's a little bit bigger mm -hmm. um, than me, which then could expand to a spiritual connection. Um, I have a history in, NA and AA. So there is that connection as well. But I think as part of being in this bear community, which is so multi leveled, but it, it's just being a part of a community. Yeah. Period is is where is where the seedlings are planted for me. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, for me, I'm trying to think. It's like there's there's so many things that I do to help my like mental and physical well-being. And it's constantly evolving and changing. And I think growing up, I used to have like very black and white thinking about the world and like, you know, there's one way to feel good and there's one way to move your body. And I figure out like the perfect thing and the one way to eat and all that. And I've learned, you know, kind of what we're talking about now. It's like, what's my path and what works well for me and what can I actually continue doing and what do I enjoy doing? So I think where I'm at now, like one therapy has definitely been really helpful for me. Um, focusing on like my mental health issues, like panic disorder and anxiety and working through that with medication and therapy. So like my baseline is better. And then from that place where I'm feeling a little bit more like grounded, I think I just kind of check in with myself a lot. Like I'm a fairly highly sensitive person and I kind of know where I'm getting thrown off or I'm not feeling the best. And then I start to like journal or go inward, um, you know, try to tune out the rest of the world. Like we're saying, like being reactive to things. It's like I can easily get distracted on social media or the news or whatever. And like, I have my pink yoga mat here. And sometimes I'll just like lie down and listen to music and just shut my eyes and just like let myself settle. Um, So those things. And then also I think, bigger concepts of like shedding anxieties around myself and embracing who I am. And I think the more that I've been able to just appreciate my flaws and all the different elements to who I am and not, and not to have to show up with a, with a mask on in front of people. And when I'm by myself, it's like, that helps me a lot. Um, Cause I don't know, I embrace being awkward. Like, you know, I've gotten better at being like fine, not knowing how to do certain things. And like, my spelling is not good. And I'm just like, whatever, just like being fine with who I am, I think. And that's taken a long time and it's ever evolving. But I think honestly, that's probably really big for me because I have, I have to live with myself, you know, and if I'm fine with myself, then it's easier to navigate the world with others. Yeah. Gosh, thank you. Those, those are wonderful responses. And uh, I, you know, I would love to take a step back and kind of, you know, think about, well, what are some of the, the dynamics that underlie both of your answers, right? So like Johnny, you were talking about, um, wait, is it always Johnny Bear or do you go? <laughs> wait, my, it, yeah. my professional name is Johnny Bear. Okay. Usually what I'm on the stage with, yeah. but for all intents and purposes, Johnny is fine. Okay. Cool. I, um, you know, so you mentioned community, right? And, uh, and John, you mentioned, you know, things like therapy, and, uh, you know, just being really attentive to yourself. And, you know, one of the um, underlying, I guess, principles uh, is that I really am a huge fan of is uh, just practicing presence, right? Being in awareness to the present moment. Right. And it doesn't even mean that we have to actually meditate. Right. We can be with other people and that's a practice of being present to each other. Right. We could uh, be in therapy. We can actually just check in with ourselves and see how we're feeling in our body, how we're feeling in our mind. You know, so there's countless ways of practicing being present. And I really feel that that is the um, sort of the antidote to suffering. 
right? Because mm. um, I think Eckhart Tolle, who I'm a big, big fan of, uh, said that, you know, we often spend so little, uh, we spend so much time actually looking at the past and the future, right? Either we're working off of our patterns that have been ingrained in us since childhood and or the traumas that, that have happened to us, or we are worried about what's going to happen in the future. How am I going to pay my rent? What am I going to do with retiring? And those are, of course, you know, important matters. And it's not to say that we don't uh, deal with them. But at, the thing that happens, though, is that we start to react to the um, the difficulty, the negative emotions, right? And what do we do? We start to check out, which I'm a master of. I'm so good <laughs> at that, right? Just going into Reddit rabbit holes or watching YouTube nonstop or eating comfort food. And, you know, the question is like, well, what can we do to kind of, you know, um, help first alleviate the suffering of all these things so that we don't have to actually check out, right? And, um, you know, and for me, I think the uh, one of the more recent practices that I've really fallen in love with because it's so simple is just uh, practicing keeping your heart open. And it's so simple, right? Like, for you know, you could say, well, let's just be present or let's, you know, meditate. And these can be abstract in a certain way. But if when I think about keeping my heart open, I immediately have an idea of what that feels like. And, uh, what it looks like. And oh my gosh, there's this, uh, my recent sort of um, kind of rabbit hole for that is the HeartMath Institute. Have you all heard of this place? Yeah, Johnny, what have you heard about? I, well, I, I'm thinking it's, if it's what I heard, it's, it's about how the heart, there's a mechanics to the heart and there's uh, an electrical vibrations with the heart. Yeah. And you can map that and follow the different patterns of the heart, the the literal heart, um, in order to connect outward to to others and to the universe. I, I think it's it, something. Like that. Does it incorporate like biofeedback where you're? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think I had the machine a lot a while ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically, they measure heart rate variability. Right. Yeah. Which is basically, um, you know, is there like a, a, a significant differentiation between each heartbeat, right? You think to sort of measure that. And the more even your heartbeat, the better it is. And when we get stressed, it's more dysregulated, right? But then, you know, I'm read like sort of their introductory text called the Heart Math Solution, which I really feel they should have got a branding manager, right? Like Heart Math, just like, yeah, yeah doesn't it's... feel like sexy or, you know, loving <laughs> or whatever. But I, the thing that's so um, surprising about it, even though it's a scientific organization and they do all these studies and use all these machines, is that the book reads like a spiritual text because they say, well, how do you actually improve the quality of your well-being and your heart is through, you know, forgiveness, generosity, presence, you know, all these things that are pretty much what you, you know, think about when you think about spirituality. Um, and, oh, my God, I'd love to share with you this one <laughs> practice, which I, I really, really love. It's called uh, the freeze frame method. And it's a really great when you're upset about something, 
right? Or you're in a conflict with somebody. So it's like five steps to it. I hope I remember all five. But uh, so you're upset, you know, things are going a little, you know, crazy, you're feeling things in your body. And the first thing you do is just you freeze, you stop, right? And just almost imagine that you're like in a movie and you've pressed pause, right? And you can kind of take a step back and sort of disidentify from the whole relativity of the situation. Second thing you do is actually start to access your heart, the loving energy of the heart. And you can almost imagine uh, breathing through the heart, pretending that you could actually inhale and exhale through that, through the heart itself. Um, and then third, you start to just recall times when you've been really open hearted, like, you know, people you've been with or times that have been really lovely. And once you've cultivated, you know, a sense of warmth and openness, you can ask for guidance. So, you know, from this centered place, what do I do? What can I possibly do? And the last step is just to listen to whatever comes. And it's surprising what comes up. It's like a different intelligence, which I really, uh, I love that, uh, you know, when we think with our head, it's kind of, you know, there's definitely answers, but there's very self-interested, right? Or they're fear-based often, mm -hmm. right? And when you work from the heart, you're actually kind of taking in the bigger field, the bigger perspective of everybody involved. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I I'm hearing you and I'm feeling you and, I, and I've heard similar narratives before, but on the opposite side, which I think many folks in our community have heard, is you know if you lead from the heart, you're more vulnerable to being hurt, you know, and it's got a negative connotation where oh he wears his heart on his sleeve, you mm. know, which is uh, you know a put down in a sense. But so my question, I'm, I'm wondering um, if we're going to lead from an open heart, how do we, do we have to be selective or, or, or who do we expose our hearts to? And then is that, is there blocking somehow that we have to learn how to do? Or is it just a constant flow of open heart? Yeah. Oh God, that's a wonderful question. I, uh, Gosh, I'm trying to um, formulate an answer that doesn't give uh, any details about other people's stories. So there's tons of stories of that I I think of when you ask that question of people who um, can be um, that have experienced being taken advantage of, right, in some way, uh, or like people, you know, will step on them and you know, in some fashion. And it, part of the answers that I've heard, you know, from from folks that have experienced that uh, is that when you keep an open heart, you know, part of this is taking care of yourself, right? And actually taking care of yourself um, sometimes first, right? Because you need to be healthy uh, in order to, to actually, you know, flourish in the world. So I don't think I'm trying to see, I'm trying to verbalize the difference between wearing your heart on your sleeve and leading from the heart. Uh, I think there's a distinction there. Okay. Right. I think it's more that you're answering from a centered place. And that's not to mean that you don't set boundaries, 
right? Or you don't, you know, uh, you could still confront people, right? But you're not necessarily screaming at them, right? You're not necessarily um, trading negativity for negativity, right? It's just more about coming from a place where uh, you're not creating, making things worse, I guess. I mean, another way of, of thinking about it, I think, is, you know, how uh, a friend will come to you with this situation and, you know, they're really upset about it, but it doesn't upset you at all, right? And part of it is like, uh, might be that, oh, I've, like if I were in that situation, it actually wouldn't upset me. It's not that big a deal. But each of us have a, has our own flavor of, you know, of upset, right? And to understand that, like, uh, I think our, our little, you know, uh, egos tend to get upset pretty easily and that there's a bigger perspective that, oh, maybe another person wouldn't actually be upset about this, right? Like that, just to understand that. I hope that answers your question. I mean, I guess in my head, it's like um, that, yeah, we don't necessarily have to, um, being open-hearted doesn't mean that you don't, uh, that you become a doormat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that resonates with me. What you first said of like, you know, if, if you have an open heart, you should be taking care of yourself. Like you have an open heart for yourself, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes first. Cause I think if, if you tip like people who I've, are like in situations where maybe I'll, I'll speak for myself, I've been taken advantage of or I'm over extending myself. It's because I'm not considering my own needs. Mm -hmm. my heart maybe isn't open to me it's like seeking something else but I, but i but if i'm like you know taking care of myself and i'm feeling good about myself it's a lot easier to approach people with an open heart yeah i think yeah. it's a nice segue um into the the construct of the living in an active versus passive lifestyle oh yeah and w maybe you could expand on that because i think it there could be some sort of a connection to uh to all of it that's yeah that's a really that's a great segue <laughs> Boom. Kudos to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is something that I'm really fascinated by because um, I think, like most people, I certainly uh, suffer from, you know, my ups and downs. And when I'm down, that's when I just start, I really go into this um this little, I don't know, a hole where I am just so happy watching Netflix for hours at a time. Right. Or, uh, and, and I, I just, it's not, thankfully, you know, I don't have, um, you know, there's other flavors, flavors of addiction that could be, you know, more difficult or destructive to ourselves and other people. Right. So we all have something that we cling to in, in some way. And the question is, all right, so we're in this hole of whatever, um, how, First of all, do we get ourselves out of the hole, right? And then second, once we're there, how can we actually sort of create an upward trajectory, right, into changing, right? So I think we talked a little, I'm going to bypass a little bit about getting ourselves out of the hole. I mean, there's, that's the, that's one thing. And, you know, the heart-centered practices that, you know, we, we talked about is one possible way. Um, and, you know, supportive community, first of all, in therapy. I mean, the things that you all said, really, really valuable. 
But then, you know, once you're at that neutral place, like what can we do to actually uh, keep on going, right? And to cultivate um, a, a life that is just, you know, the life of our dreams uh, in some way. And uh, I, I, I do a lot of little things. Um, one of the things that I have in my, um, my room here, I just have this big whiteboard and I just have a list of all the things I'd really love to like bring into my life. So it's there every day. Uh, and there's this philosopher named Ken Wilber, uh, who, uh, really has these lovely ideas. And one of them is like, there's this idea of starting from like the microscopic all the way to the universal, right? So, you know, if you want to, you know, run a marathon, you don't run 26 miles the first day, right? Or, uh, you want to actually start really small and you want to actually create something so that your mind starts to wrap around it. So a lot of people, including myself, uh, start way too big with something and then it peters out by the third day, right? Or after a week, yeah. we just like the new habit is just gone. Uh, and so like in this Ken Wilber, uh, Ken Wilber um, sort of diagram, you start with atoms and atoms form into molecules and then molecules in organic way turn into tissues, then into cells and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, when you start with atoms, like for example, on this board, if I, one of the things I want to do is eat more greens this year, right? So I just promised myself, so my atomic little habit is I'm going to eat one leaf of greens, like one leaf of lettuce, like mm -hmm. I'm just going to check it off every single day. I do that. And then the next week I might have, you know, like a quarter of a cup, but, and the thing about saying one leaf is like very often I'll just have a whole salad, right? It'll, but it's just like making the promise that I start out really, really small. And once I've gotten that habit going, then I start going into the, the next level of like, all right, let's make some recipes with greens or, or what have you. Does that make sense? That idea? Oh yeah. That's like my whole <laughs> philosophy with coaching. It's like, like scale back everything. So it's so small that like, if you don't do it, like if, if your goal is like, you know, I want to eat greens and it's like eat one leaf. If you don't eat that leaf, it's like, okay, I need to explore what's happening here, you know? But when yeah. if it's like, if it's like prepare a whole salad every day, it's too much. It's too complicated. So yeah. I really like the idea of like starting small, celebrating yourself as you go and learning and kind of increasing it as, as you continue on. And as you were talking about it, is this Atomic Habits? Is that the, is that That's the concept or that's different you know i i did read that and i think they have a lot of really good uh resources i bet you it's from that yeah it might be i'm not sure like uh, i read it years ago and then uh i was like oh that was a good book well that's the thing yeah it's like <laughs> it's in my bookshelf somewhere and didn't didn't use it yeah i think like all of this is so difficult that's why the i just looked at the uh a study or report that comes out every year. And it's like the wellness industry in the United States is like $1.1 trillion a year. Wow. wow. <laughs> so it's like, it's because all like building habits and changing all this stuff is so difficult. But I do think if you start small and you celebrate yourself and, you know, you get, allow yourself to 
fall off the wagon, quote unquote, and like mm. come back to it later and not build a narrative around it. It's like all those things I think help um, as well as having a accountability from a community or a coach or a teacher or something. Yeah. Do you have other um, pieces of sort of forming new, new habits or yeah, new kind of practices in your life? Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting, John and I, during our, new year's uh podcast we spoke a, a little bit about this and one thing uh a, a professor taught me or told a story about when i was in culinary school and it was a plant-based culinary school so very focused on creating healthier lifestyles or healthier habits and he he would argue with his sister who was complete um herbivore and just really not into the whole healthier life you're gonna say like another swear word or something (laughs) (laughs) and she would complain to him that oh everything's organic everything you talk about is organic and it's so expensive and it's a it's a trillion dollar market and his 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 response to her was start small just Mm -hmm. Buy one gallon of organic milk a week and incorporate that into your system, into your family system, into your own digestive system, and take small changes. Nobody, because like you, like you said earlier, you know, people try to start big and inevitably can't maintain that level of uh, change because. Yeah. Not only are we not accustomed to it, but society doesn't hold that kind of um, comfort level to make big changes like that for yeah. healthier lifestyles. And you know, I think you ha- you 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 mentioned something about breaking into constructive habits, and is that something that? when you want to make those level of changes it's it's a practice it's uh small steps you know some people would say oh i'll eat one leaf but if i eat 12 leaves then i'm good for 12 months (laughs) right you know that that's you know we joke but you know it's hard for people to make changes constructive changes as well yeah i think you know, laughing about the one leaf. I think that's, that's also what happens with people. It's like our society is so focused on like productivity and results that like just eating one leaf will be frowned upon. It's like, no, you really need to put a much bigger effort in. Mm-hmm. Or like, let's say you start, it, there's always more you can do. It's like, I know people were like, I'm, I'm going to the gym now. And like, that's a huge thing. They should be celebrated. And they're like, yeah, but I only go for a half hour. It's like, that's fu- that's great. That's a half hour more than you were going. That's another one more leaf of greens than you were eating. And we get so we like put ourselves down if we're not like trying so hard in this society. Yeah, I I think that it's transitioning um, into a different way of of seeing things. In um, there's this you know ancient text you know called the bhagavad gita like and it has a lot of these pieces of wisdom and one of them is um yeah what is it oh god yoga star kuru karmani which means uh 
established in being take action. So what does that mean? Like, uh, it's, you know, another one is, you know, like, do not pay attention to the fruits of your, of your practice, right? It's the, it's the doing itself that established in being take action. A lot of us are, even when we go to the gym, right? We're just like, okay, I made it to the gym and we're being very passive. And that kind of brings me to the second step. To your point, going to the gym is a huge celebration. It's like, you, you did it. You got there. Right. And I think that's sort of the atomic level is just building confidence and saying, oh, I did it. I actually did this thing. You can yeah. take um, uh, a course in something or take an app that like sort of takes away the uncertainty of things. Right. Like a, a cooking course or uh, I just took an online drumming course. Where I just followed the lessons and uh, I really loved it. And it, it is passive, but that's OK. It's still like, you know, growth in some way. But the the thing that is also interesting then is like taking it to the next level, right? Which is intention. Well, so I just mentioned like intentionality, right? Um, to be established in being, what does that mean? Uh, it could be as simple as, you know, before you actually start something, let's say you want to like actually make a meaningful uh, gym practice, right? Is like you're in the car, you're about to like you go into the gym and you just sit for a minute and just say, I'm going to the gym because I want to do X, Y, and Z. I want to feel stronger. I want whatever. Um, and just take a moment and let that sink in. And that's going to change your gym practice, right? Like that's actually mm-hmm. going to bring some uh, motivation. And it's it's super important. Like in India, um, the drummers have a uh, like a mantra, a prayer that sort of praises the God, the drum Right. And so thank you, you know, so much for bringing these beautiful qualities into the world. And then you bring your, you start your practice. And I love that so much. Right. This, like, we're not just like picking up something and just start doing it. Uh, again, that's a wonderful thing. It's just, but now it's just kind of like, how do we level up and actually bring about the changes that we want? You know? Yeah. yeah. I love that. I can definitely see like, yeah, it's like an intentionality behind it. It's not just like, oh, I got to go to the gym because I have to go and I'm going to yeah. drag myself there and then do it and then go home. You know, it's like, you know, what do you really want? Like, I always love that question of why. It's like, why do you want to go there in the first place? And like coming yeah. back to that and focusing on that and trying to find some gratitude in what you're doing, you know, that, that could shift things Probably. in a big way. Sorry, Johnny Bear, you are. About well, I was just thinking about, you know, we really here in the United States and particularly New York, we live in a very microwave society. So everything is go, go, rush, speed, um, give me more. Um, the more I have, the, be- the happier I'll be. Um, you know, these conditionings that we don't even realize half the time we're conditioned to think that way. But if if we stop, like you said earlier in the most, just stop and drop into that heart, which is scary. Um, But it's so powerful if you do it. And then from there, you ask the questions of yourself. You, you ask the questions what's my motivation for doing this and 
that could take you in a whole different direction than what you originally planned on. Mm. We have to give ourselves permission. Uh, and I'm just wondering when you're working with folks, particularly in yoga, where yoga can be a very blissed out, wonderful thing, but it, uh, people also judge themselves. I can't do it like that, or I'm not doing it the right way. And, my body's not moving that way and ah, I suck. Mm. Uh, you know, what would you say? Cause that's a lot of what life is about. And um, I'm wondering what yeah. you to a client. Wow. God, that's a big question. Yeah. You know, to your, your point about, you know, focusing on results is that, that's you know future casting right like uh we're again not really being in the present and yeah okay so i i want to you know do whatever um what's an example like uh you know i i want to make more money in my life or what have you right or i uh and then all of a sudden you go into all these things that you're not doing and you know it's just like a whole spiral mm -hmm. of things right and and it's I mean, there's only so much we can do with, you know, the the intellectual part of ourselves sort of going, okay, well, we don't need to think about that, blah, 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 blah. Like, there's going to be little monsters inside, but like, but it is important, right? You have to think about these things. And I think that's where, first of all, presence cuts through the whole thing, right? It's just like, we can actually just pay attention to this present moment. And that's where all of a sudden these things you know they're there but if there's a relativity to it right like it's just they're there because we put our attention on them yeah. right at the end of the day but being present helps uh, to cut through that but also like i think it it really is a whole paradigm shift to understand um i guess in some ways all we have is the present like what's the one thing that we can do in this moment to move in this direction that we'd like to go Right. I mean, when I think about, I mean, using the example of just trying to, you know, uh, make more money in my life, like, okay, I can start shutting down. I could start worrying. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I, I could actually go, okay, I'm in the present. I actually do have this desire. Right. And let's reflect, you know, let's make a list of like some ideas, some ways that I can go and like, and then kind of go from there. Uh, actually, that does bring me up to the, to the next point, which is about reflection. Um, I think that can be sometimes really scary for people to do, even the simple act of journaling about something that's really, really important to us. Right. Um, so, you know, we've talked about like starting sort of on an atomic level, doing tiny things to bring change in our life to, um, setting intentions when we actually do these little tiny things. But then here's this thing, this worry, Johnny Bear, right. That you talking about or if like something I want to see this result and I'm, you know, I'm really getting, have some emotional energy to it. Well, I think that, you know, the next level is reflection. And I, I actually seduce myself into that practice because it does freak me out to actually um, reflect about things that matter to me a lot. So um, there's this writer, one of my favorite writers in the world, Neil Gaiman, who did like uh, American Gods or Coraline or uh, The Sand. Sandman series and things like that. He uh, has a, a wager that he sets with himself, which is like, so he's a writer and he's like, 
I'm going to sit by this window and look out the window with a piece of paper. So I can either write or I can look out the window, but that's it. And so I've been doing that with myself. I actually give myself like 20 minutes like uh, to either write or just to look out the window. And I in inevitably start to write about the thing that I need to, to face. And I think that that is one of the most powerful things we could do is just journal, you know, about what comes up. And also even it is kind of nice to actually give myself the option just to look out the window because sometimes there's just nothing there. And you just need space for things mm. to just arise on their own. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of having like autonomy like that, where you can like choose. And mm. I don't know if this is going to take us off track or not, but like one of the things that's worked really well for me in the past is something called a gong or like a gong challenge. And it's basically like you could set it for however much time you want. So let's say it's, you know, three months. And then you, you put a list of like things that you want to do daily or weekly or monthly or things that you don't want to do. And it should be like very um, attainable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like thing it could be like, you know, it could be like the eat one leaf of greens or like, you know, write for 20 minutes, whatever. And basically you just set the clock and you get started on day one. And any day that you slip up and you don't do the thing or you don't, or you do one of the things that's on the list, then you just start the clock over. Mm. And what that does, and I've done this so many times, I've never actually achieved doing it like the full amount of time, but I've done like so much time of it because you get started and it, it allows you to kind of create a calculation of what you want to do. So let's say I have like, you know, um, only have two alcoholic drinks per night. If you go out, if you're out and you want to have that fourth, you have to sit there and think about it. Like, mm -hmm. okay, do I really want this? Like, because if I do, I could just reset the clock, but maybe I'm on day 100. And it's like, okay, it's fine. I can make a decision to do it or not. And it brings it to your consciousness. And ultimately, it's what you want to be doing as a practice anyway. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you break the chain and start over because this is what you want to be doing on a daily basis. So it's really interesting. I actually quit smoke, like tobacco because of this. Because wow. I didn't allow myself to get drunk for like, you know, six months or something. I was allowed to drink. So I wasn't depriving myself. It was like, Oh, I can have a drink if I want or two, but I couldn't have more than two. So I never got drunk and I never, and then I just didn't want tobacco. So that's another interesting oh. way to approach it. But I bring all that up because I think giving yourself the option of like, Hey, you could just sit down at the window. It's like, mm -hmm. you don't have to write, but you have to like sit for 20 minutes and then you could decide what you want to do. I think mm -hmm. little things like that work quite well. Yeah, why is it called gong? I think it, like qigong, like a gong. I think is like, is it like daily? Hmm. Is that how it translates? I don't know. <laughs> I, I heard this it. a long time ago. Um, oh, that's very cool. By someone in the wellness industry, and like it's yeah. it's actually worked really well for me because it's like you can decide, and if you want to change the rules, you can change them. It's like, mm -hmm. all right, I originally set out I'm going to do you know ten pushups a day. Oh, I actually can't do that. I can only do five. All right, I'll reset it and start at five. It's like. You have control. That's crazy. You know, it's funny. There's a, a book by this pastor. Gosh, I forgot his name, but it's called A Complaint-Free World, where the challenge is to try and get through 30 days without complaining. And the way you do that is you have a bracelet, like a rubber band or something on your left hand. And it, when you complain, 
you start over again and you put it on the right hand. Right. And mm-hmm. like, uh, I did this for about six months and I, <laughs> cause I kept going back and forth, but it got longer and longer. Like, you know, I, I would actually, I made it up to about 11 days, um, before I stopped, <laughs> but I have to say, I, even though I didn't even make it to 30, I was really floored by the results because you actually stop feeding the bear of negativity, like, mm. and it changes the the whole mindset. I mean, it really was, it was super, super hard. I did not realize how much I complained on a daily basis, but like, oh, <laughs> I would just complain about the fact that it's hard. Like, oh, this is so hard. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> Uh, as as our community members may be listening and some may be inspired and and say wow these guys they're they're pretty they're pretty cool they're pretty chill how would (laughs) would um what would you say to somebody who would like to begin a spiritual practice and um but encouraging them maybe not to surrender and seek out a guru and reminding them that they are their own guru. Mm -hmm. So how would they begin to step into that sort of stance and spiritual practice? Mm -hmm. I think uh, what comes to mind first is uh, I guess there's a couple of, of ways to go. I think it first depends on the, the type of personality that you have. Like, so I, I think I'll divide into two kinds of folks, the, the folks that like to have a, a sense of um, understanding things first, as opposed to people who actually want to do things first. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, I think that um, if you, you know, want to start to move towards a more spiritual life, I mean, starting with an introductory book, like, can be super helpful. So, for example, um, Eckhart Tolle's second book, the, um, A New Earth, is just a stellar introduction into changing one's perspective about about the world. Uh, and, and it's really for anybody. There's no leap of, um, I shouldn't say there's no leap of faith. There's very few leaps, leaps of faith compared to... Um, other things or uh hush i mean depending on the flavor like uh byron katie um is a wonderful uh writer for example and she is all about just like uh, dismantling the illusions um she has this whole uh, you know four step uh it's called the work i think her book's called the work as well uh and then when it comes to so you know it's just like those those books out there they can really help you kind of see, well, always this for me. And you can kind of like look, um, look around untethered soul, another fantastic, uh, book out there. Uh, and then when it comes to actually, yeah, it's how to start a practice. That's where it does get a little daunting, right? It's like, for example, you could go to yoga class, right? But the challenge, you know, is, all right, so I'm going to this yoga class and nobody looks like me and they're more experienced than me. And I, I, this isn't just not great. This is not like really, you know, working out for me. Right. Unless, unless they come to our class with belly with you (laughs) and then everyone has bellies and you, I love when you do poses, you say, okay, if you have a belly like me, 
you may want to spread your legs out a little bit more. So right. I'll just call the fact that you can, you know, you can come to our classes, but if you're not in New York City or you can't get there, a typical class is what you're saying where it's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I do think that, uh, gosh, I mean, it's a really, it's a good question. It's a tough question. Like if there's, if, you know, if you happen to have disposable income, like, you know, going one-on-one, you know, with somebody like, a a yoga instructor for yoga or whatever, you you know, floats your, your boat, a meditation teacher, for example. Um, on that note, I mean, meditation, first of all, that's a very easy in, right? You can just actually take in um, introductory course among many, many different disciplines. I, I think if you Google that, you know, in your area, there there must be, I mean, if, even if you Google a meditation center, right, you just kind of go and um, they'll, they'll point you to something that's introductory, you know, for them um, or something really simple. I mean, I guess part of it is yeah, having the, uh, the, the cars to try something new and just experimenting with what doesn't work. So for example, yeah, it is hard to go to a yoga class randomly, but actually it's not as bad to go to a Qigong class, right? It's like a much lower bar and even just talking with friends and like, yeah, how do I actually start like uh, doing these things? Kirtan, right? That's, that's something you could just show up at. You don't have to do a single thing and you could just observe, right? And just see, you know, what, what, what's going on. So I guess, you know, you're kind of teaching me by asking this question. <laughs> I think it's like really starting from a safe place. And it does seem like the, the almost like, again, that little atomic level is things that you could actually sort of be a fly in the wall, like, and just observe what's going on, how this culture actually exists. If you go to a kirtan, if you go to a meditation class, right? Um, yoga might be might be harder, right? And that's something that might require individual attention. I mean, do you guys have ideas? I'd love to hear what, what you all think about that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm i in a, maybe a different position than the two of you because, like, I don't <clears throat> feel as spiritual in general. Yeah. I, I think, like, or maybe my flavor is just different. Um, so my question would be more about just kind of, like, instead of seeking out classes and things, it's, like, how do we just – do what you said earlier of just like being present. So like for me, it's what I do is just like go for a walk in nature and try to like slow down and, you know, hyper fixate on like one flower or something like that and just really appreciate the moment. Yeah. Um, I think I used to be on this path where I wanted to be more spiritual and I wanted to be a person who did yoga and all these other things. And I still like all of them. All, like I can still do meditation. I, I love going to yoga but I think maybe I stopped trying to create like a practice for myself just because it didn't work. It didn't necessarily work for me. I couldn't, it couldn't stick, but I have a mat on the floor and I'll like lay down on it and I'll do some yoga poses that I learned in class with you. And we have our meditation class with Jolene and I like community. So I go to that. Um, but yeah, I feel like it, I'm just on a path of like being content with myself and being present. Mm-hmm. you know and that's a little bit maybe more what i'm focused on and i will draw from different things and i think i've gone to this place because i've tried so many things mm-hmm. you know trying things yeah and actually you you reminded me of something that's super important right because when we talk about spirituality um it can be 
very often the case that we don't actually look at the darker parts of ourselves that keep us from from going in these directions, right? So the, you go into a new environment and, you know, there might be feelings of unworthiness, right? Not of comparison and, and things. Mm-hmm. Like and so a whole other aspect of, of um, spirituality is actually looking at those obstacles, looking at those, those parts of yourself that, that don't feel worthy, that don't feel as good. There's a whole thing that has come up. It's become wildly popular in, um, like uh, the therapeutic community called internal family systems, IFS, right? Yeah. And specifically like parts work, right? Where you actually look at, okay, uh, all right, here I'm in this yoga class. I feel really uncomfortable. And you just listen to that part of yourself. Like, you know, you can actually embody it. Like what is what does this person look like? Is it you at a younger age when you're a kid, for example? Um, where does it feel in your body? What does this part have to say? And just let it have it say, there's nothing to fix because it just wants to be heard. Right. And that's, that's a spiritual practice in itself. Right. Mm. Um, I, I say that because for example, a lot of people say, well, yeah, just start a gratitude practice. That's great. Like, and I think that's a wonderful thing for me when I start doing a gratitude practice, I actually start feeling like this dark thing going, ah, well, there's nothing to be grateful about. Like, uh, and then I'll, be like oh that's interesting like what's up with that like where where is that actually coming from and it is a skill that like uh you can develop like uh either with a therapist or oh there's this really great book called the ifs workbook where you actually kind of takes you through a set of questionnaires where you can kind of just see what's going on what's going on with this part and i think it's super important to understand that that is whole that's you know it's the dark with the light together right it's not just like all the um it's it's not all easy and goodness and all that yeah well the 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 reality is that we're human you know we're living these we're living in the 3d world we're 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 living as humans and we uh, some of us think we're spiritual beings having human experience others feel the opposite um, regardless, I feel uh, a, a, a small way to start is to whatever makes your heart smile, mm. do that. And, you know, whether it's cooking, whether it's taking pictures, whether it's hanging out with a kid, whether it's gardening, whether it's just sitting by a window, whatever it is that makes your heart smile allow that to be your spiritual practice and maybe that will grow into something more but start from there if anywhere and see where that leads you but the the piece that i i want to encourage folks who are listening is that there's no wrong or right when it comes to a spiritual practice it's it's all it's all about love and it's all about connecting mm. and whatever you're doing you deserve whether you believe it or not you do deserve to feel good mm. yeah well said the, the one piece i do want to touch on as we're winding down is some folks will say, well, 
you know, I'm single. I could do whatever and practice whatever. But other people are in, in relationships that maybe one partner is not so spiritual or doesn't want to be on a journey of spirit. Um, how do, how, you know, how do, how do they incorporate that into their world, having a partner that may not be as woohoo as I am? <laughs> You're just um, you're just looking for a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. to, uh... Well, gosh, that's a spiritual practice being in a relationship, right? I <laughs> uh, oh I think that that is um, fully accepting another person and where they're at is is the 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 most loving thing that we can do, right? Well, I shouldn't say the most, but it's 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 so important to like just. Uh, see another person for who they are. And if they're not into spiritual things, that's absolutely fine. It doesn't mean that they're any less in any way. Right. And, uh, that I really do feel that that is a, like a, a practice in itself because I I'm in such a relationship. Like I'm in a relationship, um, with a wonderful human being where, uh, he's just not interested in the things I'm interested in when it comes to spirituality. He doesn't want to talk. And it's almost like a running joke. Cause I'll, you know, be like, Oh my gosh, I read about this thing. What do you think about this? And he's like, Oh, you and your questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to talk about it with somebody. I would love to talk about it with him. But I, uh, I mean, over time, it just is like, well, I can make myself miserable. Like, you know, either, um, thinking, fantasizing about somebody that I could be with that would be ideal right, in, in that way, or actually seeing the gifts of this person that's right in front of me. And also accepting, you know, all of the things that may not be as appealing, like, you know, just uh, uh, complaining about the same thing over and over again, right? And I could either be like, well, look, you've already said this, like, you know, a million times, like, can't you do something about it? As opposed to be, like, just giving them some love and some sympathy. And just practicing it each time you say it, right? And and I I think that that's a really I think it's a wonderful question. It's it, I the word that comes to mind is just curiosity, right? How do we continue to be curious about this other person, right? As opposed to create a um a static notion of who you want them to be. And also to expand the idea of spirituality, right? That a person may have no interest in any organized uh, spiritual practice, but all of a sudden they will just say some one of the most deepest, most beautiful things. They have such a a beautiful perspective, and I experience that constantly in uh, you know the uh, retreats that we do. The things that people say are so beautiful, right? Mm. And, and everybody has like such a a wisdom to them, and if we just allow that to be, because the alternative is bickering. Right. And just conflict. And that doesn't allow like uh, that person to be open with you. Right. And to actually um, speak. There's a I'll leave you with one like uh, a really wonderful anecdote that uh, Eckhart Tolle has in one of his books uh, that he's just like, look, the, th the most important thing we could do is just be present to another person. And he gives an example of his neighbor who comes into his house and she's just like you know, yelling and she's so upset at the homeowners association or whatever that's going on. And there's this huge like drama and he's sitting there and listening and nodding. 
And she's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be like, you know, like worrying about this and blah, 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 blah. And sitting and nodding. And she's like, okay, yeah. Should I, (laughs) you know, she's like, just figuring it out, like on her own. (laughs) She's completely processing it, but it's like his presence is just this beautiful um, sort of field in which she can kind of rest and start to unravel and, and expand. It's, it was really lovely to, to see that. Yeah, I think sometimes we just need somebody to bear witness to our journey and and yeah. hold hold that space for us and um, allow us to be who we are as well. Yeah. Which is a great way to start wrapping things up with, with one of the questions that we ask our guest is how how do what's your definition of community, Nirmal? What what do you see as when you hear the word community and and, and that formulates in your head? Wow. I, I see, I guess, certain qualities when I think about community. I think of uh, welcoming, you know, a sense of belonging that everybody feels like they they have a place. Um, I think the another word is trying to think of the right word. Endurance, you know, something that is that you just keep on coming back. There's a place that you can come to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's almost doesn't matter necessarily what the uh, the contents of the things are. It's just uh, the fact that we can be together as a group and we have a place to go to and we can just anticipate and enjoy. It's beautiful. Another, another one of our questions. <clears throat> Do you identify as a bear? <laughs> 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 Oh gosh, I you know, it's funny. I I do and I and I don't. I it's that's a that's a really interesting kind of problem. <laughs> I mean, what well, the reason I say that, I mean, first of all, I love the bear community in um in the ways that they are a, it's a welcoming group, right? It's a but I have had my my sort of kerfuffles in the past. Like once I went to um, something and uh, this guy actually just told me I'm not a bear. He's like, oh, you're not a bear. Like, uh, and, you know, so it's kind of like uh, I, I kind of felt very self-conscious. You know, I think it's because I didn't, you know, have facial hair at the time or I mean, also just, you know, I don't know if it was because I was a person of color or whatever. I just didn't know whatever reasons. And so that has just historically been my chip on my shoulder is actually like, um belonging you know or just feeling feeling that and uh, i do feel that i belong these days but i i'm sort of enjoying like not labeling as well so i'm happy to go to bear events and Mm. call myself a bear but i know that there are people that are like hardcore you know (laughs) so and i think that's part of why we we've established this format is to expand the narrative of what it is to be in a multicultural community such as the bear community because we want to 
we want to chip away a little bit at those stereotypes that have mm -hmm. that are a safe haven for many. It's but it it it's so much more, and there there's no one carbon copy of what the bear community is anymore. Mm. And that's the beauty of it because it's all, it's all inclusive to all of yeah. us. Yeah. I think that uh, I was really enamored when I first heard the story about how the bear, I mean, at least the story I heard about how the bear community started was it was a reaction to kind of the clone culture of, of the 70s right so it was like this very conformist you have to look this way and be this thin and all that mm -hmm. and uh yeah the bears were like yeah don't need to do that like you just come as you are kind of thing love that yeah and like i think kind of coming full circle it's like any counterculture then becomes there's become <laughs> certain norms to that culture and it's like now you're showing up in an event and someone's saying you're not a bear it's like Right. Okay. Well, like I thought this is supposed to be the place where, you know, we all belong. So I think that, yeah, to John, Johnny Bear's point, this has been a, a, the mission of our group and my work. It's like, let's create a space where people actually belong and are supported, you know? And, you know, the, I think Bear can be a nice umbrella for like all different types of people. And, and that's what we get at our events. I mean, when you and I do yoga or we do our, our mini retreats in the city it's like we're getting all different types of people really you know yeah which i think is beautiful it's like we get different perspectives that way okay. absolutely you do such a great job with that too i really love that thanks <laughs> so do you it's it's great to to do work with you like we just flow um another random question is um what does the word or like the idea of belly mean to you like if someone just says that word yeah that's a journey right <laughs> uh yeah i i used to really hate like uh just having a belly like uh and i i've done a lot in the past to try and um not have it and you know part of it's just i it's a little bit my physicality like even when i was like a lot thinner i still had a little buddha belly you know kind of thing but uh i think one of the wonderful things of age about aging is just not caring it's not caring anymore uh and i i i've come to a place where i really have just come to accept and just enjoy you know what my body looks like um i mean there is a balance because i do have some like medical issues where i really do need to actually balance you know that mm. and so it's not necessarily about trying to get rid of a belly so much as getting you know to a weight where my doctors are like okay like these levels are are safe and i think that's sort of a an interesting thing in the bear community itself right like yeah balancing body positivity with with a like a level of health that's that's important to you know to live up to um but yeah i i'm grateful for the passage of time to just get to this place <laughs> nice <laughs> the beauty of what we you know our podcast is belly talk it's and that you know and it's at the essence of what you're saying them all it's just being who you are where you are with what you've got 
whether it's your belly or exterior, interior, just let's all try to speak our truth. Yeah. And with that, let's ask this question of you then with the unlimited resources that we're about to give you and space, what would you put on a billboard that would be seen by everybody? What message would you want out there in the world? Keep your heart open. Beautiful. Mm. I like that. Would there be like a picture of a heart too? <laughs> <laughs> or somebody, a person with their hands like that? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, a little bear. <laughs> what is there? <laughs> little care bear with the heart, right? <laughs> oh, well, thank you for, yeah, like bringing that message to us, to our group. You know, it's it's such a gift to like have you teach yoga classes for us and to do do um these retreats that you and I have been running. You know, I just think very highly of you. And um, I mean, you brushed over music earlier, and it's like you're such a talented musician and instructor and teacher and stuff so i just want to honor you for that oh thank you thank you right back at you not with the music (laughs) (laughs) i can't play anything but i know i appreciate it um yeah where can people follow you like let us know what you're doing i know you're doing sound healing now and you're doing some concerts and other classes like how can people get involved in your work yeah, uh, let's see. I have a website, nirmalc.com. It's N-I-R-M-A-L-C.com. And there's a mailing list. Sign up right on the homepage. And uh, I send things out about once a month or every couple months to let them know where I'm playing next. And are you still working with some apparel? Or do you still have the T-shirts available? Yeah, I do. I love doing that. So I design, uh, you know, um, shirts with you know sort of uh spiritual geometry sacred geometry or different things and that's also on the website as well i'm I'm also on etsy that's where i sell them yeah fantastic well thank you so much for your time and for for hanging out with us it's been my pleasure thank you catch up on the podcast yeah Yeah, all right till next time all right As always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'd love to hear from you. So leave a review and reach out to us on the Belly Club Facebook group, which you can join at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Belly Club. And you can always learn more information about me, the classes I'm putting on and my retreats at coachcub.com. All right. See you next time.